0: Listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. If you'd like to learn more about CBC, check out our website at cbcofsavannah.org. And now this week's sermon from the series "Identity: A Study on the Book of Ephesians." Pray with me. My son, be attentive to my wisdom and your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Father, I come to your word this morning again and I'm encouraged by many things and we're challenged by others and we're warned by others. And today, this passage is all that thing, that it's a admonishment. It's an encouragement. It's a warning. And I pray that it would not fall on deaf ears, that your people first, second, and third service this morning here will have ears to hear and eyes to see, and that they will know what is your will. Know it is who you are and what you've called them to. Father, you have to do that. I'm cannot. i just an empty, broken man on a stage. I pray that your spirit would fill me, that he would use me, that he would take away and add to the words uh, as you see fit. And that you would open the hearts of those who are here, that they would be filled with your spirit so they may hear the word of God in a fresh way, in a way that changes our lives. In the end, Lord, so that you receive glory, so that Jesus' name is exalted and lifted high above every name. It's for him and his reputation we pray. Thanks, you guys have a seat. Turn to Ephesians four, 5, excuse me, 5, we crossed the border. Ephesians 5, if you don't have a Bible, there's one probably in a seat close to you, and we're on page 634, 635 in that Bible. Ephesians 5. I went on a run last week, and in our neighborhood, when I come around the corner... Uh, I got about 150 200 yards to our house, and as soon as I come around the corner, I see our house. I see my youngest, and he's out in the front yard, and he's there in his in his Phillies outfit. The good discipleship taking place there. Um, and as soon as he sees me, he yells and he starts heading right for me. So he's running right at me. And as I'm kind of finishing up, as soon as he gets close to me, he kind of runs next to me, says, I want to run like you, daddy. And so the last 50 yards or so, we just kind of ran in together until we got to the driveway. I want to run like you, daddy. And really, that is the heart of this passage, that we want to run like our dad, like our father in heaven. Right? That's the heart of what Paul's going to say here in chapter 5. And and or to imitate our daddy, imitate our father who is in heaven. Say what does it look like to imitate our father in heaven? What does it look like to do that? That's these sixteen verses we're gonna look at today. And so we're gonna jump in, but before we do, let me ask just one question, and you have to settle this in your heart before we get into it. Does the Word of God have the authority in your life to alter your behavior? Does the Word of God have the authority in your life to alter your behavior? If you're heading in this direction and it says, stop, go this way, does it in your life? Because you've got to settle that before we get into this. Because this is a, a challenging passage. It's an encouraging passage. But there's a lot here. And if you're like, ah, this is not for me. No, it, does it have authority or does it not? That is the question that we've got to answer as we look at this. Because what we're going to see is Paul's going to do this. He's going to say, here's a contrast. Here's what your father is. Here's what he's not. My, my kids love this book, Eat This, Not That. Right? And they have it in the car and they'll read it to us. Dad, what's, on, what, what's this on? it? Which side is it on? Lucky Charms. And I'm like, it's on the eat this side. Right? It's always on the eat this side. But, but sometimes they'll say, Dad, is it on the eat this or not that side? And it's hard to determine. I don't know. It's kind of, oh, it could be good, could be bad. In this passage, it is very clear who God is and who he's not. What we're to imitate And what we're not. There is no question. There's three things. Three this. Not that. That we're going to see in this text. So let's jump in. Verse 1. It says, therefore. And what we ask is, what's the therefore, therefore? It's linked back to chapter 4. Therefore, because of everything I just said. Because of who you are in Christ. Adopted. Chosen. Elected forgiven built into the body of christ all these things balance out the scales walk in a manner worthy now that's all of chapter four and what that looks like walking and worthy and he's still on that kind of theme Says because of all that because of that be imitators of god it's this greek word mimitase, and we get our english word mimic from it we can hear it come right over into the english language mimic follow impersonate be like god wow that's a challenge But then he says this little prepositional phrase, as beloved children. It's a great little phrase. Be like God. How? Just like little children, like beloved children. And I think he uses that idea because if I said be like adults, adults, adults quite honestly were boring, right? We're, we're kind of intimidated. If I said, all right, everyone in the, you guys are too young. I need to get an older row. Do I have an older row? Okay, let's not, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go to an older row. All right, <laughs> row over there. All right. If I just said that row, row six, whatever row, I want you to come up and we're all going to do the hokey pokey. You just follow me and I'll do the hokey pokey row six. Most of them would be like, what in the world? I knew we should have sat in the back or in the balcony, honey, this church will never coming again. Get upstairs, hokey pokey, You know, be kind of the half-hearted hokey pokey, turn himself around, you know, all that, right? But if I said, kids, let's do the hokey pokey, I'd have like an influx of children running on the stage, and they'd be like, woo, turn yourself around, they'd be waving to mom and dad, there'd be enthusiasm, there'd be confidence, there wouldn't be embarrassment at all. How much more if it was your dad? It says, "Come up on stage with me and I want you to do the hokey pokey with me. How much more confidence would they have? And so what he is saying here is, like a kid who has a loving dad who, who loves him, I want you to imitate your loving father. I want you to come alongside and run with him, just like him. just like a little kid with his daddy, Just like a little girl with her daddy. That's the image. Imitate, be like, just like a little kid. And I realize that some of you you, you, you still struggle with this concept of a loving father because you didn't have one. But when you are, understand your identity and who you are in Christ and who your dad is, it is a motivator to, to be like your daddy, to run alongside him. That he adopted you, that he cherished you, that you are the object of his love, that he adores you, that he chose you, that he loves you. So you can have confidence to imitate him. So he says, imitate imitate, be like children following their daddy. What does that look like then? right. What does that look like? What's the first thing that looks like? And it's the first thing that looks like is exactly what most of us would expect. It's love, right? He says, walk in love, walk in love. That's what the world would say, right? What is God like? God is love, but just so there's clarification and he doesn't kind of You know, love is like, you know, God is Santa Claus in the sky and it's just everyone loves, blah, 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 blah. He gives some specifics. He says, love, how? As Christ loved. How did Christ love? He gave himself for us. So the first thing, if you're going to imitate God, if you're going to come alongside your daddy, you're going to run alongside him is this. You love, not lust. And what does love look like? Love looks like Jesus offering himself on a cross for his enemies. That is love. Love is Jesus pursuing those who wanted nothing to do with him. Love is him blessing when he was cursed. Dying when he was reviled by these people, by us. That is love. It's emptying himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is love. No greater love does a man have than this, that he lay down his life for his brother. That's love. Love is action. Love is doing. You could say, I love you, babe. But unless they see it, unless they feel love, that there's action behind it. God demonstrates his love. He proves it how. And while we were sinners, he died. God so loved the world that he gives. Love is giving of self. It's emptying of self. It's seeking the best in that person. That's what Jesus does. And if you want to be like your dad, that's what we do. We seek the best in other people. We seek their benefit more than ours. And I've seen great examples of this in this flock just in the last couple of weeks. I was thinking about the joy prom that some of you are a part of, that Pastor Jay and his team puts on for the mentally challenged and physically challenged. They throw a prom. They did it last weekend. They, everyone gets dressed up and does the hokey pokey and bad macarena dances and everything else. And part of you, were, after you were there. Just seeing people love people. that don't, They're not offering and they're not giving something. They're just loving unconditionally. I think about our, our whole cross-culture team and Tom and the team that he's built there. Some of y'all come and, and read the kids at 4.30 in the afternoon and teach them to read and teach them to, to do math and just give of yourself or you feed them on Thursday nights. Some people who are in the back now just serving so some of y'all could sit here and quiet. They bought a basketball goal for the neighborhood kids so that they could come play and it didn't have this broken down one. I mean, just, just giving of self. One of our guys is on staff with the FCA and they, they got a team together and they, they went to one of our widows. And they did a ton of construction on our house last weekend. Giving. Just love. That, that's the idea. There's this love. There's giving of self. Right? Generous to people. Loving people. Forgiving people. Asking forgiveness from people. Giving your preferences up for people. Being nice to people. Just think about this past week. Have you been Nice. Have you been loving to the person who's 15 minutes late to the appointment? The Person that was supposed to get you that assignment by Thursday, but they got it to you Friday morning. The person that gets, cuts you off. Just just think about those things. Has there been love? Love. That's what he says. And if we miss this as a church, it doesn't matter what else we do. It doesn't matter how big we get. If we have, if we have love, if we don't have love, we have nothing. You can tell me all about how you memorized Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, and Hezekiah. Hezekiah is not a book, by the way. You can tell me how you've never missed Sunday school since you were in third grade, and you've been at every church picnic and every service, and you take notes. And you can tell me how you tie 30%, and you don't watch bad things on TV, and you threw out your radio and your CDs, and you can tell me all those things. But the question is this. How do you love people? Well, I don't love... I I, I love them, I just don't like people. I love Jesus... I love the Bible. This place scares me because there's no seats, and I got to sit next to somebody. I don't like people that much. too crammed in here. It's kind you know. If you love Jesus, you love people. Period. Because he loved people. You want to be like your dad. You want to run alongside him. You love people, right? You love people. That's the heart of the passage. But that's contrast with what? With lust, which is what he goes next. Verse 3. But immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. He says, when Jesus... Loved. What was it? It was a pleasing aroma to God. It was like God is in heaven and shh, ah, it's just this offering. That's love. The contrast to that is lust. And he says, these things circle three phrases in these two verses, not even named proper among saints and out of place. He says these three things that I mentioned, they don't belong. They don't fit. It's like me at Michael's or at a big and tall shop. They don't work, right? It just doesn't fit. It's out of place. Three things. Number one, immorality. Greek word pornēia, right? And this is this basically runs the gamut on all, all sexual sin. Any any physical contact outside the context of husband and wife, any contact is pornēia. I'm not talking about bumping in the halls in this place. I'm talking about physical sexual contact. Anything, anything outside the context of marriage, husband and wife. Is considered pornea. He said, but we love each other, Bill. We're in love, love. It's pornea. He said, but we're engaged, not even named among you. But you know, we're married in God's eyes. God's eyes are a flame of fire. He, you are not married in His eyes. It's pornea. He said, well, "How how far is too far, Bill? How far? You're asking the questions too far. Right? No bases. First, second, no. No bases. You're not allowed in the stadium. Right? You're married, play ball. All right? You're not married, you're out of the stadium. That's the, that's the standard. Not even named. Not even named. Impurity. It's a word there that, that Jesus uses in the Gospels of a, of a decaying, nasty body that's in, the, in a grave. It's just foul. He said, you don't need 50 shades of gray. You just, it's, you just don't need it. It's decaying. It's just immorality, impurity, covetousness. You say, why does he link covetousness with impurity? Because it's about self. It's about indulgence. It's about me. I want more. I want more. I want to look like Billy's short. I want to be short. Whatever. Right? <laughs> It's about wanting what you don't have. It's about all about self-indulgence. And what is the opposite of self-indulgence? Giving of self. It's love. See, love seeks the best in the other. Self-indulgence, immorality, and purity seeks for me. See how the opposite? This is your dad. This is not. Imitate your dad. Imitate your dad. Why? Because it's not proper among the saints. Greek word hagias. It's not the word. There's no word for saints. It's just the word holy ones. We translate it. Saints. You are holy because he is holy. And so because he is holy, it's not proper. These things don't fit. Right? If The goal is not to get as close to the line without going over. This is not the price is right rules. It's how close can I get to Jesus, my savior? How close can I run to the father? That is the standard. That's what he wants. He says, imitate your dad. Verse 4, it's not just in your actions, it's also in your words. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Foolish talk is the word morologia. We get our English word moron from that. There's no moron talk. There's no crude locker room talk from guys or girls. used to be just guys, now it's girls too. He said it's not fitting, it doesn't work. Right? No joking, which is out of place. But what? Thanksgiving. Instead, let there be Thanksgiving. Thank you. Praise, worship, thankfulness—that's what's fitting. That's what—that's what love looks like: is being thankful. Think about that. Just how often we grumble: it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too loud, it's too soft, it's too this, it's too that. He says, "No, no. What, what, what the Father looks like? Imitating the Father is just thankfulness." What does Jesus look like? It's, it's thankfulness. I, just little things. Building a life of thankfulness. This is not some glib, oh, oh, happy day. This is, look, I wake up. I have a new day. Thank you, God, for a new day. You know what? My marriage struggles right now, but thank you for a spouse, Lord, because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I have kids. Sometimes they behave, sometimes they don't, but they're a blessing. Thank you for my kids. I have a job. I'd like to make more money, but I'm eating and I'm not starving. Thank you for my job. My car, it's kind of on the fritz, but you know what? It got me to church. Thank you for that, Lord. It's not being glib. It's just cultivating an attitude of thankfulness in our life. Just enjoying the good things God had given. A good picnic. We had a great time yesterday. A bunch of us got together. We had a picnic in the park. Kids ran around in sprinklers. We ate. It was just fun just to hang out, enjoy what God's created. Thankfulness for that. I sit by the, the eat my breakfast or read sometimes at my, at my breakfast table. I look out the window, get the bird feeder. I love watching the birds. I'm a bird nerd. I admit it. I'm fine. I'm secure securing myself. I'm all right. All right. But it's t- the painted buntings have migrated back now for those who have seen those things. Most beautiful birds, a little blue and orange and green and yellow. Looks like God spray painted them. And he's just thanking God for little things like the beauty of the painted bunting. For people who love us, despite the fact that we're knuckleheads sometimes. said just thankfulness. Right? That's, that's where we go. Not filthiness. Not these things. They're out of place. But thanks. I'll go back to that question I started with. Does the word of God have authority to change your behavior? Does it change the path? Right? Because the language here again, not even one. Proper among the saints. Right? Out of place. What that means is this. That there shouldn't be one guy or one gal in this room. That are looking at nefarious things on their computer. That's what it means. Not one. Not even one. That's what it means. It means there should be not even one married person in this room, guy or girl, with this little flirtatious stuff going on at the office or at school. Not even one. Or if you are single like with some lost person, a person doesn't know Jesus, there's this little flirt. Not even one. It means there shouldn't be one businessman, one businesswoman who's withholding payment just because they, want, they love money and they don't want to pay their bills. They have it, they just don't want to pay. Shouldn't be one. Shouldn't be one person that's just collecting stuff to display it on a wall, right? So people can see what they have. Not, not even one, not even named. That's what imitating your dad is like. It's out of place. It's out of place. You say, well, Bill, what's the big deal? It's just a joke. It's my business. It's my computer. It's my office. What I do in the private of my home, that doesn't doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anybody. He tells us why it's a big deal. Verse 5. For you may be sure, and this is emphatic in the text. You may be sure, you may take this to the bank is what he's saying. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, inheritance... In the kingdom of God in Christ. Circle the word no inheritance. Got none. And that's not saying he won't have any rewards when he gets to heaven. He's already told us in chapter 3, the context is that our inheritance is Christ, that he is our inheritance. What he's talking about here is someone who does not know Christ. And he's saying this, if the person has a, just a desire and a passion for impurity and for lust and for immorality, and that is their desire and that's all they do and there's no repentance and there's no life change and there's no desire to be different, that person, no matter what they say, does not know Jesus. They have no inheritance, none. It's not saying if you've ever fallen in this or you do this once in a while, you slipped up that you, you, you know Christ. You're not going to heaven. That's not what he's saying. It's this: the person who's unrepentant lifestyle, they don't care. You've come to them. This is wrong. I don't care. I can do what I want. That person does not know Christ. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, none. Why? Because it's rooted in, in idolatry. Their God is their belly. Their God is themselves. Their God is not Jesus. It's a worship of me. It's idolatry. You can say, well, I, well, I heard a guy. I was in a church one time. and He said, if I prayed the prayer, I walked the aisle and I got baptized that I'm good. I got fire insurance. I can do what I want. It doesn't matter. He lied. What did he say? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, these things he's mentioned, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Look, there's people who tell you what you want to hear. The people who will preach whatever you want to hear, and they'll fill churches with it. But Jude, which is a a letter written to the church by the half-brother of Jesus, warns us of what false teachers will do. And he gives us a great picture. He says this, certain people have crept in unnoticed too long ago. Were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. And they deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. People will tell you what you want to hear. Paul is saying, let no one deceive you. These are the things that the wrath of God comes upon. You cannot laugh at. You cannot blow off these sins. You cannot consider them trite. The wrath of God is on these things. And for the people of God to mock God and just kind of, oh, no big deal. He said, you can't do it. That's not your dad. Your dad. Your dad is love. He gives of himself. He's not lust. He's not lust. Let me read a couple of these questions to you. came across this week from a pastor, Pastor James McDonald up in Chicago. They were good, and so I'm just going to read them. I'm not going to put them on the screen. I'm going to read them to you. And you say, just listen to the question and, and answer it honestly. When's the last time you made a crude joke or laughed at a crude joke? Was the last time you sat through a explicit sexual scene on television in the movie without being bothered or turning it off? Do your eyes look over someone in a a way that if they knew how you were looking at them, they would be uncomfortable? There are words in your vocabulary that link you to the world and not to Christ. Do you go to places where the, the atmosphere sexually is just thick? Maybe it's a party that you probably shouldn't be at or a bar too late at night or it doesn't bother you are you struggling with attraction to a person who is not your spouse or if you're again single it, it's not a believer do people sense the freedom to just be off color with you and around you because they know it really doesn't affect you or bother you how do your convictions about entertainment differ from the world who don't know jesus what would you do or not do if Jesus Christ were visually present with you? And I say visually because he is present with you. Would anything change? See, that's the heart of the text, not even named. This is not who your daddy is. Imitate your daddy. Right? Imitate your dad. Love, not lust. He continues. Verse 7. Therefore, again, because of this, because wrath comes upon these things, because of all these things I've just said, do not become partakers with them. He doesn't say don't associate with them. He doesn't say hide from them. He doesn't say, church, let's become an inward focused church. We just insulate ourselves from the world. Oh my goodness, they all watch American Idol and all these bad things out there. We got to hide. It's not what he says. He said, oh, you can never go to the movies. You can never do anything. You got to dress like the pilgrims. That's not what he's saying. He says, don't become partners with them. Don't partake in the same things. Doesn't say don't associate with them. Doesn't say don't love them. In fact, we're supposed to engage the culture. You're supposed to be in their midst. You're supposed to engage them for the sake of the gospel. Jesus was a friend of sinners, not saints. A friend of sinners. So you're supposed to engage. The difference is this. When you walk into the party, teenager, college student, whatever, and it's just debauchery going on and you see it, you don't just hang out. you got to leave. you got to call your mom. you got to get out of there. When someone sends you the forward at the office and you know it's trash, you delete and don't resend. When the gals are getting together and, and, and going to pick up some guys and dress it in a specific way to go get some guys. Say so, you know, just not wise. Not going to do that. It's not that you don't love them, it's not that you don't associate with them. You do all those things, but you cannot become partakers with them. That's what he's saying. Don't become partakers. Why verse 8. He says explains verse first word four. For at one time you were darkness. But that's past. Scripture says a ton about how we walked in darkness, how we sat in darkness, how we loved the darkness. Here's the only place it says we were actually by nature darkness. So, but you're not that anymore. You're not darkness anymore. You are light. You are the light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. And so what is your father? Your father is light. He is not dark. So we must be light and not darkness. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness and we lie, we do not practice the truth. Jesus is light. The father is light. So his children, if they're imitating him, walk in light. So what does that mean? Walk in light. That's kind of, you know, weird. He tells us for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good. Right and true. You want to know what walking in light is? Walk in goodness. Walk in rightness. Walk in truth. What is good? You know what good is? Good is just love and action. Good is giving a hug to someone who needs it. Good is taking a meal to someone who needs it. Good is helping people. Letting people in. Giving of yourself. Being generous. I mean, you know what goodness is. That's good. What is right? When someone gives you too much change, you give some back. You go back in the store. When someone asks for forgiveness, you forgive. When you need to ask for forgiveness, you go and do it. These things are right. Right? You lose your temper, you go and make it right. You, you Goodness, right, truth. You love the truth, you speak the truth, you embrace the truth, you share the truth. Even the hard truth, when it convicts you. That's it. And then verse 10, I love verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I love that word. And try. Try to figure out what God is, says is good. It's like you wake up in the morning and say, God, I want to please you. How do I please you today? Am I pleasing you in the way I talk to my husband? Am I pleasing you in the way I just, I'm just i raising my kids? Am I pleasing you in the way I'm spending this extra $100 we have every month? Am I pleasing you in this relationship with this significant other? Am I pleasing you in this job that I'm in? Or should I go to this job over here? Am I pleasing? Am I pleasing? Am I pleasing? And trying to discern those things. Trying to figure out, when you were in dark, you were all about pleasing you. Now you're in light, so it's all about pleasing the one who is in light. That... Is what being in light is. It's just daily. God, is this pleasing to you? Is this a movie we should watch? Is this a show that I should be watching every week? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe, should I be keeping this computer? If I'm struggling with one of these things, should I really be keeping this computer? Maybe I should get rid of it. Should I get me a a different phone because I know that I can get around all the filters with my iPhone as long as I do this, this, and this? What's pleasing to you? That's what he's saying. That's what light is. Pleasing. And then he says this, and he kind of concludes it. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. You can't get any clearer than that, y'all. There's no s- secret Greek word that means, you know, oh, but illness. take no part means take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. None. Right? And here's the thing. We live in a culture, and you know it and I know it, it's extremely sensual. I mean, it's, it's just getting worse and worse. It's, I've been shocked in the last 15 years how much worse it is than even when I was in high school and college. And it's just going that way. And you have to guard yourself, church. Young folks especially, you need to guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard the things you put into your mind. Legalism says, you know, everything... Hollywood's evil, so we don't watch anything. Bambi's evil, and Jurassic Park's evil, and everything's evil. None of you are going to go to Disney World. Evil, everything. That's legalism. The the other side of it is, it doesn't matter what you watch. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Just watch whatever, to each his own. What Scripture says is what? Guard your heart. Whatever is pure, true, honorable, set your minds on these things. Look, there's no... Verse in the Bible that says you can't watch a movie. It's just be wise. Some of you can't watch a movie because you struggle so much with lust, you can't even go, and you shouldn't. Others of you, you go see forty two or one. Of you, it's fine, but you need to guard your heart, and you need to be wise. You need to walk in light. Some of you can have a computer and you're fine. Others of you can't even get near one, and you need to not have one. That's light. Others you can handle a relationship right now. Others of you cannot. You cannot. Some of you can handle going to a restaurant. Maybe your struggle is gluttony. Some of you can handle going to a restaurant. Others of you have to stay away. Right? Walk in the light. Right? No part. Right? And, and, and instead of just making rules, all movies are evil. Let's think through these things biblically. Let's all TV's evil. No, let's think through these things biblically. Right, Walk in the light. What does that look like? Walk in the light. And, and, and he says, second part of that, take no part, but expose. Expose them. That doesn't mean you walk into Walmart and you start picking people out. You parked over the line, didn't take your car out. You need to put some clothes on. You need to start hitting your kids. It doesn't mean that. All right? That's not what expose. The idea is this. When you walk in the by nature, what does light do? It expels darkness. Right? Just by nature. You turn on the light in the garage, the cockroaches go. Right? They hide because they don't like the light. When you walk in light and your life is light and there's purity and all these things, what happens? It expels darkness and you shine light on areas you expose. When you walk in light in community with one another, you expel darkness. And instead of hiding this stuff and keeping this addiction and nursing this whatever over here, when you walk in light together and you confess your sins to one another, you expel these things. It enables you to put, put you in a place of repentance and help. Instead of waiting until it explodes, and then you come to church and try to microwave everything back together. Oh, real quick, church, help me. I just blew this up. And sometimes it's not that easy. So walk in the light while you can walk in the light. Don't take part in works of darkness. Expose them. Don't be like the world. Another practical area. The way we dress. There's no, you should look nice. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. Legalism says your hair has to be this long. You can't have an earring or a tattoo even if it says Jesus' name and you're this, 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 and this, and this. That's legalism. Put that away. The flip side is it doesn't matter. No, you dress in a way where you're thinking of other people. That's, that's the model. See, legalism, oh, you has to have below the knee and blah, 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 and hair this long. No, no, no. That's not biblical. Biblical is I'm going to dress in a way where I am thinking of others. That's love. Looking for the best of others. So I'm not trying to gain attention from that lady's husband. But at the same time, I'm not throwing myself together like, you know, I I just came out of the, you know, trash bin over there. Okay? You don't have to dress like a pilgrim. We want you to look nice. But you think about other people. The way you dress. Just simple things. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. I was seeing a fresh. This, these things. If you, if you, you say, oh, Bill, you're just all, Bill, you just. I'm not being legalistic. I promise you. I just care about you. I care about your marriages and I care about your kids. And I would rather you hear it now than we have to sit in my office in six years and you come in and say "Well, we, you know, we just didn't listen and this is what happened." And boom. Because I would rather save you from that. And I've seen it. I've seen it in innocent little things how the just little things slip into your eye gates and then they come out of your heart and your mind this week my wife said something we were the kids watch every day little house on the prairie they love little house on the prairie so they watch it and it has commercials and the same it seems like the same exact commercials and and my youngest my wife said something after dinner about cleaning up and my my youngest four now five years old said this mom what you need is OxyClean. it cleans everything it has the power of oxygen and he basically recites this whole thing. And he says, and you know what? They have, have oxyclean with dishwashing boost, mom. <laughs> now, how did he learn that? Just from little things. Right? And that's innocent and there's no big deal. But it's just being wise and just guarding your heart and then walking in the light. And walking in the light together. And I realize that some of you here are new Christians and this is shocking. I get that. That's Okay. Just understand that's okay. This may be the first time you've heard this. That's fine. Sanctification is a process that just continues until Christ comes back where he takes us to be with him. So this is not, all oh, we're mad at it. No, it's a process. I get that. But this is what imitating your dad looks like, walking in the light as he is in the light. Love, not lust. And then there's one more thing at the end. It's this, it's, we walk wise and not unwise imitating your dad means you're wise and not unwise I, I skipped that last portion, let me go back to that real quick I didn't even read it, man, that's not expositional preaching come on Bill, he says this in verse 12 let me go back he said this is why, and he gives this final exhortation it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, when anything is exposed by the light, that's what we're talking about, living in life together, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. It's Paul challenging the church the same thing. Wake up, church. Stop walking in darkness. Walk in light. Awake, sleeper. Arise from the dead. Christ will shine in you. That's the heart of the passage. Follow your daddy. Imitate your father. Love, not lust. Light, not dark. Now wise. And now unwise. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. What does that look like? Making the best use of time because the days are evil. It says, you want to be wise with your life. Some of you, a great book you need to go out and buy is John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. It's an easy little book, probably 150 pages. Whether you're 16 or 76, it is a great book. Just don't waste your life. It's is a great encouragement, well written. How do you waste your life? By investing in the things that don't last. What doesn't last? Everything but people and the word of God. You want to be wise with your time, invest in people, and invest in the word. Does that mean hobbies are wrong? No. God gives us hobbies and enjoyment. He gives us picnics and, and things that we do. But when those hobbies and those things engulf us and take over our life so that we ignore the things that ultimately matter, people, our families the Word of God, the church, the people of God, then we got a problem. I mean, the average single guy plays three hours of video games a day. The average high school student will watch more TV by the time he graduates than he will have spent time in school. Right? Like, there's nothing wrong with watching a television show. I mean, we watch, love our HGTV, and we love different things with the kids. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with going to a movie. Nothing wrong with these things. These are things God has given us to enjoy. But look, if you are spending six hours a night becoming a warlord in some fake world, or you're building a farm that no one will ever eat from, then there's a struggle going on. All right? If you're spending 12 hours working out a day, look, you look good, but you're going to be dead just like me in 50 years. All right. So take care of your body, eat well, but don't waste your life. Be wise with your time. Invest it in where things matter. Your kids, invest it in your kids. Invest it in your marriage. You have your kids for 18 years, 22, then they're done, right? You have your marriage, Lord willing, for life. So invest in your marriage. Matters. Invest in the word of God and, and knowing scripture and knowing God and, and, and memorizing scripture. Invest in your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. Invest in that soccer team that you can be the assistant coach for because those people need Jesus. Invest in people and things that matter. The stock market's not going to heaven. Neither is your boat. Neither is your three iron. Are they bad things? No. But don't pour your life into those things. Walk as wise. See, if you're wise, you, you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know how it ends and you know what matters. He's told you people in the word of God. So if you're wise, you invest in people in the word of God. What you're unwise in is if you know that the only thing that matters is people in the word of God and you still don't invest in them. That's unwise. And so he's saying, be wise because the days are evil and they're just going to get worse. it'll never get worse than this. It's going to get worse. And that's fine. Because the darker it gets, the lighter it shines. Walk is wise. Does the word of God have the authority over your life to change the direction? That's the question we asked. Still got to ask it. In the heart of this passage, please hear me as your pastor. It's not to bear you bad. bad. I, I don't like preaching hard texts like this. I really don't. But if I... I have to because I love God and I, want, and I love y'all and I need to tell you the truth. And look, in the last days, people will find teachers that will accumulate teachers that will tickle their ears and they will tell them what they want to hear. And, and God tells me I need to tell you the truth and I need to love you through it. And so I'm telling you because I love you. The heart of this passage is that you have a father who loves you perfectly and he chose you and adopted you. And he has proved himself time and time again that he is faithful and he is true and he is passionate about you. And he's just saying in certain things in your life, this is not good. You need, you need to stop this and do this. And you may not see why and you may not fully understand, but... But walk by faith in this now, and you'll, and then you'll walk by sight later. But he has proven himself good and faithful and true. He is reliable. He is trustworthy, and he knows what is good for you. Just take him at his word. Snuggle up next to your daddy. He has come around the corner. Go run up next to him. Follow him in love, in light, and in wisdom. And look, some of you, you're, you're here and, and this has hit you harder. You were thinking, man, I didn't want to hear this today. And it hit you hard. You know what happens when we fall, when we're running next to our daddy? You know what happens? He stops and he helps us up and he says, let's go again. It's okay. You're still my son. Just because you're 10 yards back doesn't mean I don't love you. I still love you. Come on. You're my son. You're my daughter. Run with me. Be close to me. Be like me. That's the heart of the gospel. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not even yourself. Not even if you turn around and run away. Because he's faster than you and he'll catch you. And if that's you this morning, you need to listen to the first song we sing in a minute. You need to understand that your father loves you and he pursues you. And when one sheep wanders, he leaves the 99 and he goes after you that's the heart of the gospel. And that's what we want. A people who imitate their father in love. They imitate their father in light. And they imitate their father in wisdom. Let's pray and let's worship. Father, you are good. We love you. We fall. And you pick us back up. And I pray for the person that's fallen this morning and they need to be picked up. I pray for the person that's close to you. They need to be reminded that they're only close because you... Keep them close. Lord, that we would walk in humility, imitating you, our Father. Lord, let us be light. Let us be loved. Let us be wise as a church. Make that true in our lives, please. Uh, we can't do it on our own. We thank you for your spirit, which helps us. Just help us. And, and for Father, the person that's down and, and struggling, just give them encouragement that you love them. That they are still a child through their faith in you. We'll just worship in spirit and truth, Lord, for you are so worthy.